big win in a blackout. The NCAA is still a bunch of clowns. A preview of the KU matchup. And as always, Pete's picks and projections. This is Pete's Playbook. That's not true! So get your facts straight. Are you kidding me? That's all I got to say. Makes me want to puke. It is time for another edition of the Pete's Playbook Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan McKee. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. You can find the podcast anywhere, and you can find me on Twitter, at Pete's Playbook. But we got another W in the win column. The Cowboys taking the win last Friday in a blackout against Kansas State. The final score of 29-21. to The Pokes pulled off the upset. A blackout game, like I said, it was an amazing atmosphere, sellout crowd. I was there, and the offense looked good, the defense looked better, and the game went perfect. Let's break it down a little bit. The offense, Alan Bowman goes 19 of 35 for 235 yards. Uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions. It's a solid showing. Uh, again, nothing to write home about, but he did his job. And that's partly due to the fact that the offensive line gave up zero sacks. Charlie Dickey finally put it together. He moved guys around a little bit, uh, put some guys in some new positions, and it worked. They covered well, they kept the quarterback off his rear, kept his jersey clean, and he was able to put together a pretty good game. Ollie Gordon has 21 carries for 136 yards, that's six and a half a pop, and one touchdown. And might I just say, the picture that came out on Twitter after this game of Ollie Gordon coming out of the tunnel, smoke behind him, he kind of jumps up in the air, arms out. These freaking uniforms. Oh my god. This is the best combination and the best new look that I've seen on Oklahoma State in a long time. The bandana was cool when it came out, it was a little gaudy, it was during that whole time, but this clean look is just amazing. Anyways, the rest of the rushers. Uh, Alan Bowman also had five rushes, 14 yards. Jaden Nixon had five rushes for 14 yards. Uh, Brendan Presley had two for 11. Elijah Collins, two for six. And that's it for rushing, receiving. Jaden Bray had a good night, four receptions, 77 yards. It's 19.3 per catch. Rashad Owens had a great night, five catches, 75 yards. Uh, Brendan Presley had four catches for 40 yards. Josiah Johnson, three for 31. It was a good night passing a good night rushing nothing crazy it was 174 yards total rushing 238 total yards passing um, but the defense really really showed out Nicholas Martin had himself a great game 17 tackles uh, 10 solo one sack uh, he also had an interception Trey Rucker had 11 11 tackles five solo Kendall Daniels had eight tackles. Cameron Epps had a great night, five tackles, uh, two interceptions, one of them, a pick six. And, and can I just say, what a great game for Cameron Epps after being thrown into the spot last week or two weeks ago and kind of getting burned a couple times. He came out this past Friday and showed that he, he can fill that spot. He can be that guy, and he can go out there and he can make some good plays. And I'm glad he could do it because – Worked out really well. And the defense finally looked like what we were expecting it to look like from what we are hearing from the offseason. Fast, athletic, guys running all over the field, making plays. It looked good. The three guys up front took up 
all of the space. They took on double teams. They freed up the linebackers and everybody to do their job and make their reads. That's where the interceptions came from. Uh, we did a good job stopping the run. Kansas State only had uh, 220 yards rushing, which seems like a lot, but for this team is not that much, especially when 70-ish yards of it was on one run from Will Howard. Um, but altogether, you know, both sides of the ball looked good. Special teams looked good. You know, Hale had a good night. He had five field goals. Uh, he was five for six. One of them was blocked. Um, but, yeah, five field goals is solid from him. Uh, that is the one kicker from this game. We, had, we kicked five field goals. We only scored one touchdown. The other touchdown came from the defense. So we had a little bit of trouble in the red zone actually finishing drives, scoring touchdowns instead of kicking field goals. But the offense did just enough to get the win and leaned on the defense, which is fine. You can win a lot of games doing that. Uh, running through some of Kansas State's stats, offensively, Will Howard is 15 of 34, 152 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Uh, not a great night from him. He said it himself. That was the worst he's played in a long time. Uh, rushing again, Will Howard had 10 carries for 104 yards. 70 of those were on one run. Uh, DJ Giddens, 16 carries, 65 yards. Uh, Treshawn Ward, 9 carries, 59 yards. Uh, receiving, they didn't do a whole lot of damage. They only had 152 yards uh, receiving. Uh, but Phillip Brooks had three catches for 50 yards. Uh, ben Sinnott had four catches for 39 yards. Uh, Keegan Johnson had two catches for 31. And DJ Giddens, four catches for 28. Um, as a team... Kansas State's offense just couldn't get it clicking. They'd put a couple good plays together, and then it would stall. Um, you know, they, they had the three touchdowns, yes, uh, but outside of that, they couldn't really get much else going. Defensively, uh, nobody really showed out. They didn't have any sacks. The offensive line for Oklahoma State played really well, protected Allen Bowman amazingly. A huge boost from that, um, but defensively, really nothing crazy to write home about. But altogether, Oklahoma State put together a full half of football. First half was amazing. I mean, you go into the half up twenty to seven, and you know people are excited. I'm sitting in the stadium thinking we're finally going to score thirty points. The offense was clicking. The defense was solid. They already had the pick six at that point. You know, this was the game. This was the team we had been waiting for all offseason. And then we come out in the second half and just can't really get anything going. Kick three field goals in the second half and score nine points. So if I had one complaint from this game, it was the shift in play calling from the first half to the second half. The first half was creative. There was different formations all over the place. There was motion all over the place. They were making the defense think, making the defense work. We were scheming guys open. We got Ollie Gordon the ball efficiently. We got him the ball on the edge. We got Brandon Presley a couple touches. That's what we'd been waiting on. And then we come out in the second half and don't do that. Now we still had motion, but not as much. The formations were a little more dull. The play calling was a lot more predictable. And the difference is 
we're not moving the ball down the field anymore. We're stalling drives. We're kicking field goals. And I don't understand it. Why the shift? If it's working, why change? You've already put it on film. Everybody already knows that that's the offense that we're going to run. So why change? Go win the game. Stop trying not to lose and go win. But I digress. I don't want to harp on the negative from this game. I want to harp on the positive, and that is we got the win, and we saw what this team can be. It's what we've been waiting on all season. So the game ends up being pretty close. Uh, at one point, the game was 26-15. to 15. Uh, Kansas had all of the momentum. Uh, it may have even been 26-18. to 18. Uh, You know, all the momentum was shifted toward Kansas. Nicholas Martin gets that, that fourth quarter interception and kind of seals it for the Cowboys. Um, it's a solid game. And it, it almost feels like that was the win that we needed to kind of turn things around. The season was on a downward trend. Fans were getting upset. They were starting to call for jobs, myself included. I don't know if I'm off of that train, but, you know, hands not smashing the panic button anymore. It's just kind of hovering over it. But that's the type of win that can turn a season around. You can build some momentum off of that, keep the the progression going, keep the improvements coming, and, you know, who knows? We can, may have a really solid rest of the season. But the momentum that you can get off of this game can totally change the outcome of the season. And I love it. We're in the win column again. We finally did it. And then we're... You know, rejoicing in this this great weekend that that we had, and the NCAA and the clowns that they are, and the ridiculousness that is the national clowns against athletes, hands out the decision on Kansas men's basketball program from the 2017-2018 academic year. Uh, it's the same investigation that got Oklahoma State a postseason ban, uh, along with a lot of other. Harsh penalties for one level one violation infraction. And Kansas had five level one violations. And everybody's thinking, oh my gosh, what is Kansas going to get? You know, they, they brought the hammer down on Oklahoma State. Kansas is screwed. And they got nothing. They got a public reprimand. Vacation of team wins. You got to take a banner down. You got to give a trophy back. Big whoop. Bill Self is... You know, a few games farther away from hitting a milestone. Who cares? And then not only that, the exact statement from the NCAA for a head men's basketball coach, the hearing panel accepts Kansas' self-imposed penalties for the head men's basketball coach and chose not to apply any additional penalties. Same thing for the assistant coach. Why does the NCAA hate Oklahoma State? What did we do? And all this tells teams going in the future, do not comply with the NCAA. Oklahoma State was upcoming and forthright with all of the information. They helped with the investigation. They said, we want to do this right. And they get a postseason ban for one player taking 300 bucks from an agent. And then Kansas can go out there and have five of the same violation, if not worse. And they get a slap on the wrist. They get a public reprimand. This is just further proof that the NCAA is just making shit up as they go, and they don't actually care about athletes. 
If they did, they wouldn't have punished a group of teenagers that were in middle school when all of this happened. If they did, they would have punished teams equally. But instead, the only team that really got any sort of punishment from this entire investigation across all of these different schools was Oklahoma State. The one team that helped in the investigation. That didn't fight it the entire time. So for every team going, on, going in the future, what the NCAA just told you is it's okay to cheat as long as you're a blue blood. And if you're going to cheat and you get caught, deny it. Fight it. Do not comply with the investigation and you'll get a slap on the wrist. Oklahoma State hosts Kansas on January 16th in, in Gallagher-Iba. And if that place is not absolutely packed and just absolutely insane, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to do my best to be there. I think it's a Saturday. I don't know that for sure. That's a long ways in the future. But this is why we hate the NCAA. What's the point of the investigation if the people that actually had serious infractions get nothing? Absolutely ridiculous. And speaking of Kansas, on a lighter note, Oklahoma State hosts Kansas in football this Saturday. And I keep flip-flopping back and forth on this game. Kansas comes in ranked 23rd in the country, 5-1 uh, overall, 2-1 in conference. Their only loss is to Texas. Um, Oklahoma State comes in 3-2, 1-1 in conference. Their losses to Iowa State. And ESPN only gives Kansas a 51.3% chance to win. Vegas has the line at Kansas favored, minus 3, over under 54. Another sellout crowd. It's a 2.30 kick, not a night game, but we'll make it work. And I just don't know how to feel about it. Every number is a toss-up, basically. Every stat is a toss-up. I mean, looking through offensive stats, Kansas averages 201 passing yards. We average 225. They average 232 rushing yards. We average 132. Somewhat even, their offense is, is better. It's more efficient. Makes defenses work. And then defensively, they give up 218 passing yards. We give up 217. They give up 152 rushing yards. We give up 154. It's totally even. Now the difference here is that Kansas is, you know, one of the tops in the conference in sacks. We're not. But the style of defense that we run doesn't get your defensive line, your your defensive ends a whole bunch of sacks. It's not gonna have those three guys getting all those big flashy statistics, but what it gets you is turnovers. Because it lets your coverage team think and survey the field and watch the quarterback a little more. As long as those front three guys can take up a lot of what the offensive line is able to take. If those three guys can make the offensive line work their butt off, everybody behind them has free reign and free vision to do what they need to do. And if the offensive line for Oklahoma State can play like they did against Kansas State, well, you know, you may give up one or two sacks, but you're not going to give up the, you know, five or six that Kansas is averaging. So I think that's what it comes down to. It's going to come down to who owns the line of scrimmage. If we can own the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, obviously this is a cop-out a little bit, but that that wins the game. If we split it, it's going to come down to who makes the last play. Now the numbers on this game have Kansas winning by 6, 30 to 24. 
they don't predict OSU having a very good rushing game, 140 yards, uh, and they predict Kansas having about 200 yards of passing and 200 yards of rushing, um, and Kansas coming out with the win. Either way, I like the Cowboys in this game. A second upset over a Kansas team in two weeks. This one ranked. Man, I can't wait to be there on Saturday. Again, packed house. Boone Pickens sold out for the rest of the season. Uh, that's huge. And I got the Cowboys taking the win this weekend. So looking at uh, the rest of the slate for this week, we've got Houston taking on uh, West Virginia. Uh, that game's in Houston at 6 p.m. We've got Cincinnati hosting Iowa State at 11 a.m. We've got TCU hosting BYU at 2.30 and Texas Tech hosting Kansas State at 6 p.m. So I want to do this a little differently than we've been doing it last few weeks. Uh, last few weeks I've only been showing you guys what the numbers predict. Uh, this week I want to show what the numbers predict and my picks for who's going to win the game. Uh, so the numbers for the Houston-West Virginia game has West Virginia winning 23-28. to uh, and I'm going to go along with that. I picked West Virginia to win this game as well. Uh, the Cincinnati-Iowa State game, the numbers have Cincinnati winning 26-23. Uh, I'm going to go with Iowa State on this one. I think the defense uh, from Iowa State is solid, and I just I don't think Cincinnati is uh, quite ready for, for Power 5 football at this moment. But uh, TCU taking on BYU at home. Uh, this game, by the numbers, is a toss-up. It's 27-27. So take that for what you will. I'm going BYU with the upset. BYU's played a lot of close games this year. Uh, they've won quite a few of them. They've got a win over a Power 5 opponent in Arkansas right now, uh, or already. I like BYU in this game. Texas Tech taking on Kansas State in Lubbock. Uh, the numbers have Kansas State winning 29-27, uh, and I've got Kansas State winning this game as well. Uh, Tech coming off a big win over Baylor in the Butt Bowl. I say big win. Baylor's not a great team. But um, Kansas State coming off that loss. Will Howard, like he said, playing the worst that he's played in a long time. I think they come back big and uh, get the win over Texas Tech in Lubbock. On a bye this week, you've got Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas, and UCF. So we won't see any of those four in action. Uh, and that Houston-West Virginia game is actually on Thursday. So uh, make sure you tune into that and pump up some of those Big 12 viewership numbers. So looking at conference projections with updated stats. So the doomsday scenario is still alive. We've still got OU 1, Texas 2. Uh, OU still leading the conference in passing yards per game, points per game, and points allowed per game. Uh, Texas leading in total yards allowed per game. Uh, uh, tied at three, we've got Kansas State and West Virginia. The numbers still like Kansas State. Um, even after a loss to us, you know, flute games happen. The numbers still line up there. Kansas State leading in rushing yards allowed per game uh, and actually last in the Big 12 in passing yards allowed per game. Uh, West Virginia, like I said, also tied at three. They are worst in passing yards per game and solid at everything else they're you know they're 2-0 and in conference right now 3-0 and in conference right now whatever they are and they're looking pretty good neil brown probably saved his job you know i was i was thinking they were going to pull the trigger last year 
and move on to somebody else. I know West Virginia fans absolutely love Neil Brown as a person, but you know we're in the business of winning games, and he just wasn't doing that. So if he can keep it going this season, like I said, the numbers have them going seven and two in conference, nine and three overall. That's a solid year. Um, I think he may have saved his job. Coming at f- in at five, we've got Texas Tech. Um, they don't lead or bring up the the rear in any of these stats. They're just Solid at everything. Uh, coming in at six, we've got Kansas. Again, they don't lead or trail in any of these stats. They're just solid at everything. Seven is BYU. They are last in the Big 12 at rushing yards per game and total yards per game and solid on defense. That's that's pretty much it. Number eight, we've got Cincinnati. Uh, they do not lead or trail in anything. They're just average across the board. Number nine is UCF, and this one's surprising to me because they lead the Big 12 in three different stats. Rushing yards per game, total yards per game, and passing yards allowed per game. And you would think that that would all combine into a lot of wins, but they're 0-3 right now. You know, they're scoring 35 points a game. They're only giving up 28. You would think that that's going to bring in a lot of wins, but they haven't been able to get it done. And that may be because they are bottom in the conference in rushing yards allowed per game at almost 200, but I don't know. Maybe they can turn it around. Uh, Oklahoma State does go there on November 11th. Um, so, I don't know. That may be a tricky one. Uh, coming in at 10, we've got TCU. Uh, again, they don't lead a trailer or anything. Just solid. Iowa State at 11, same thing. Oklahoma State at 12, same thing. Houston at 13, they are bottom in the conference in total yards allowed per game at over 400. Uh, They are also, again, one of two teams that allow more points per game than they score. And Baylor is the second team uh, coming in at 14. They trail the conference in points per game and points allowed per game. Not a great combination for Baylor, and that shows in their start this year and their predicted outcome of 1-8 in conference. So that's what we got for Pete's picks, projections, all that stuff for this week. It's going to be a good, pretty good slate. Uh, again, not no, no top 25 matchups, um, but we do have a full weekend slate. So that's what I got for you guys this week. I hope you liked it. Again, you can find the podcast on any podcast streaming site. You can find me if you like this. You can find more of this on Twitter at Pete's Playbook. Uh, Again, you can find these picks and projections on Twitter as well. Hopefully the Pokes can get a win this weekend against Kansas. Uh, Hopefully the NCAA can figure out their clown show that they've got going on. And we got a good weekend of Big 12 games going on. And that's what I got. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. And until next time, see ya.